What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Decode Podcast, episode 204, ironically enough. Uh, <laughs> yup! <laughs> There's a reason we titled it this way this week. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Ken Cardez, a.k.a. Omega Z, editor-in-chief of the Decode written content available at digitalearentertainment.com. Gino is taking the night off today, so we have... Digital Era Entertainment founder Mario Breno ha- hanging out on the on the on the production side of things. Hello, uh, he'll be joining me today. Welcome to D Show. <laughs> Always glad to be here. Uh, Thank you for having me on D Show. Thanks, thanks for uh, pitching in. Uh, Gino is taking the uh, the the night off. Yep, and, yep. And uh, we we we're keeping the show running. Uh, but we come to you with this hybrid amalgamation of live and remote. Uh, I'm here at the Waypoint Cafe, our base of operations here at 65 Ludlow Street in the Lower East Side of New York City and Manhattan, New York. Uh, welcome to the show, where we talk about all things gaming and esports. Uh, the esports front has been interesting. You know, obviously Overwatch 2, the Overwatch League has been going on. Um, not much of the, the same usual fanfare as it has been uh, before, you know, it's got a lot of people worried, like, you know, what's the state of these type of leagues and things like that. Obviously, the the hardcore fans are still coming in. There's still the watch parties happening here at the Waypoint Cafe. Um, but it, it doesn't feel the same. And it's interesting to, to make that uh, annotation, you know, and kind of make you wonder where things are going in the esports face. Yeah, um, uh, if, I, if I can cut him real quick, because... It, it, yeah, with with the if you look at the the fanfare from you know Overwatch when it launched, when Overwatch League launched, to where we are now, uh, I mean, there's always going to be a drop off with a sequel, but it's it's rather pronounced with the state of you know both the game proper as well as the league itself uh, going into mm-hmm. Overwatch Two, uh, which is also a real shame because it, personally speaking, uh, I did get to, to hop on to Overwatch 2 uh, and, you know, log a couple of uh, couple of games here and there. And I have to say, the the experience is so much better, <laughs> especially on console, which is where I prefer to play. Um, and I even did a little bit on PC. And it's just, I, I feel like this is the improved version of Overwatch we really needed a few iterations ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've been jumping into the game here and there. And of course getting frustrated with the uh the randoms that don't play the game the way it should be played <laughs> oh. yep everyone yep. wants to be rambo and it's just like oh stop why are you running all the way over there like and they're the ones that get mad it's like why aren't you like there's an objective there's a thing that we have to stand on and, and it's just it's just so frustrating like it's bad enough that like the first Overwatch, you know, you had the payload that went in one direction. Oh, yeah, I've heard about now this. You, <laughs> now you have this uh, mode called push where, you know, depending on who's in control, this robot's pushing the payload in either direction. And it's like, yo, like people could barely handle one direction. Now you're going to have this thing that goes in two directions and people are still playing like either really terrible or if you have a really terrible team and you're up against a team that's very coordinated it just feels like such a squash and 
that's what makes me go i'll play a couple of games and then i'm like yeah i'm just not gonna touch overwatch for like a week yeah that's um, fair <laughs> yeah i mean i got i got lucky in the pickup <laughs> games i did um you know it's not like i was playing with high level players because you know spoiler here i am playing at like the most basic level because i barely touch these things mm-hmm. but at very least i had competent teammates who you know did they did a lot of the things right that you generally uh, observe that people tend to do wrong <laughs> in a lot of these pickup games. So I got I got lucky there. The only reason we did badly is because the other team was better and I kind of suck. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I know where to, to place the blame in those cases. But you don't it suck. You, you just don't have me as a teammate. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> My dude, if we were playing together, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would have racked up a lot more wins. <laughs> but... um. But no, in all seriousness, though, it it, it was it was very refreshing uh, having much more balance. Uh, people seemed to have a better idea of how to how to play, at least in the pickup games I did. Um, sure. But I, again, I, th- I I'm just observing that this is a very small sample set, <laughs> so no, results I mean, results may vary. <laughs> well, the game is definitely like just you know someone who plays games both objectively and can critique them down to the most minute detail uh this is definitely the most balanced overwatch has ever been and i don't think there was outside of maybe like one or two points in the four or five years that overwatch one was available i don't think i could have said that at all throughout the game like there was a point where I was like, there were times where like, okay, this this meta is kind of good, you know. And then there were times where I was like, guys, you just you're overtuning it too much. You don't need to go so hard. This is the the first time where I'm like, everything all around feels very competent. Everything feels where it should be. The the, the character reworks are, the, at least the ones that they did rework, feel very nice. Um, Bastion is currently unplayable because of a, a bug. <laughs> Um, you know, so, you know, things happen, but like outside of that, like for the most part, everyone feels good unless you're like a Symmetra player, the worst character. She will always be the worst character in the game. Play Symmetra. Um, so, uh, some things never change. Okay. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Bastion, Bastion, basically unusable. <laughs> Last time it was because he was OP. Now it's because he literally is broken. Uh, <laughs> Symmetra, apparently they still haven't fixed her. Okay. So that is, uh, I mean, it, it, she, she has a unique space in the game. Cause if you look at like all their kits and stuff like that, and terms of like this objective based game where you're moving payloads or you're trying to control a point, like, her kit makes sense in the realm of the game, but as far as like actual like usability and whatnot, no, nah, she's just not. She's not there, you know. When you're dealing with like all these other characters that have built-in self-heal DPS type kits and things like that, like even healers have some type of DPS. She doesn't have any of that. She's just, I, I placed her. <laughs> No, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been very limited in my sample sets for um, playing too many other characters, because normally I lean towards the uh, the DPS characters, you know, D.Va, Reinhardt, those were my mains in Overwatch 1. Um, right. Junker Queen is now my, my main. <laughs> <laughs> all, all hail FPS Rhea Ripley. <laughs> 
um, no, because seriously, her play style, uh, it, it, it's probably one of the better matches for my uh, FPS gaming style of, I'm, I'm very much the aggro type. Uh, I will pick, you know, Boomstick and Rocket Launcher if those are available. Um, right. I like to get up close and personal with melee, you know, when all else fails because reload times between shots on, on a Boomstick. Uh, sure. So her entire build fit me like a glove so i haven't really played too many of the other characters just to see you know who's been reworked and all that but even then like you can tell a lot of thought was put into it so that's great yeah i mean she's a fantastic character you know she's probably one of the better tanks uh i mean i mean think i think like every tank that they have in the tank category has a use but like if there's one that is definitely like if if we were to do like a tier list and it's like okay you have your S tier character and your A tier and your B tier so on and so forth, I would definitely put Junker Queen in that S tier category just because like she has movability, she hurt people really badly. Yeah, um, uh, she has a pseudo self heal like. That was one of the everything. things I really liked, by the way, because again, since I I tend to be a a bit of a sponge for damage just because of my my very aggro playstyle, having that ability on call is great, especially if you have a healer backing you up who knows what they're yep. doing, which, spoiler, I definitely did in some of those pickup games I was talking about, <laughs> so it was great. I'm like, oh, good, I can actually I can actually do what I need to do, <laughs> and I'm getting the support yep. I need. Oh, that's exactly how you have to play the, the tank class. Like, the, the tank class is designed to be the, the thing that takes the damage away from everybody and takes the bullets. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, like, they, that, that, going back to the main point, like, the game is in a spot where, like, it's very well-defined, and they, I think they finally hit that, like, sweet spot of where, you know, they're, and anyone can be usable, and obviously they're different. There's always going to be certain characters better than others, but, like, with the exception of, like, one character, unfortunately, Symmetra, uh, everyone has a spot to be played in some way, shape, or form. So it's been a while since the game has felt like. Yeah, oh, it's good. It's it's great. So, um, outside of that, have you been playing anything else new, or do you, have you picked up anything else on the retro side? Uh, so it's funny you mention uh, exactly that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I know um, you. You're like the resident retro guy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. This it's also why I'm so glad uh, that that Gino's been you know spreading spreading the good word of the Mister <laughs> over over here on on Decode because uh, that has been it, it's not something I expect to dabble in anytime soon. But mm-hmm. I think it's just a cool device. Um, yeah. So I've been setting back up uh over here uh at d west i guess you could say <laughs> no longer dhq but uh d west <laughs> west coast d ventures <laughs> uh oh i <laughs> even funnier if you had been here for pre-show but <laughs> um no so one of the things that i finally got to do because uh I got in some hardware uh, over the summer and I hadn't had a chance to, to really field test it because I was in a state of disarray and I didn't have uh, my desktop uh, out here until fairly recently. Uh, but I finally got to mess around with the, uh, the, the, the Retro Fighters Defender 
which is mm-hmm. their uh, their their PlayStation controller, uh, mainly meant for you know Playstations one through three. Um, so I got to to do some field tests with that the other night. It was really cool. Um, it's a great controller. Uh, I was mostly using it on PC, uh, trying it with Duck Station. Um, since all my other retro hardware of the PlayStation variety isn't here. Um, been looking a lot into uh, PlayStation 2 stuff, because even though I was originally going to skip any sort of collections on that, I know I've shared over in our Discord. Uh, for those of you watching live, we will be dropping links to all of this uh, at the end of the show. And for those of you listening in, um, feel free to go to our main website, digitaleraentertainment.com. We have a thing for social links now up at the top of our site, making it even easier, barely an inconvenience for you to find all this cool stuff. Um, so I've been researching a lot of that. They've been making some cool innovations uh, on on the emulation front. Uh, for example, a thing that I know I went back and forth with uh, our teammate Jace, who you can hear tomorrow on the Dekai Anime Podcast at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Digital Era Twitch. Uh, they they've allowed or there was this technology that came out over the past year that lets you run uh, PlayStation Two games off of an SD card through the memory card slot. Um, for anyone who's been following PlayStation Two Retro prior to that, the best you could do was running it off of either USB, which has its own issues because of uh, video bandwidth for games that have you know very large cutscenes. Um, or using the the hard drive, which effectively means you can only use a fat PS2 uh, to be able to to play things off of the hard drive, which has its own bottlenecks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, cool stuff like that. Uh, I'm I'm definitely looking into experimenting with over the coming months. So, mainly focusing on the retro. I've uh, been keeping an eye on. Uh, more contemporary stuff. Lately, I've also been playing uh, Cowabunga Collection because uh, when that dropped, one of the things I was waiting for was to finally get the 8-bit Doe uh, SN30 or N30 arcade stick. Finally okay. picked up one of those because of the recent uh, Amazon Prime sales. <laughs> so let me tell you, it felt so nice, so nice to finally play TMNT 89 with an arcade stick <laughs> and turtles in time with an arcade stick so yeah been uh yeah playing playing through some of some of the uh, classics on the backlog uh gearing up for when i can finally do some streams here on the channel again um and just you know keep keeping an eye on what's going on in retro tech gaming in general and uh doing a game production course uh courtesy of elevator uh who's been offering that so it's it's been a very interesting experience uh you know learning about the the production side not even development like development's a whole other thing like just handling things from what for all intents and purposes is game admin (laughs) so we were talking in the pre-show uh about a couple of things and i was like yeah you know now this hits so differently (laughs) because of the perspective that i have been uh i've been learning to approach making a video game from essentially um and then of course you know the big drops of the week that i know we're going to be talking about later on in the show so that's that that that's what i've been doing like a mix of you know playing stuff uh like for example overwatch also testing out some other uh games on on the rig now that i'm set back up playing through some of my switch collection um and just checking out retro game stuff uh, what about you? Um, any any interesting stuff this week, or uh, mostly focusing on the stuff that you've been featuring on the channel? 
that's mostly been f- the stuff I featured on the channel. Obviously, you know, I've been we've been playing some. I've been playing Overwatch too, like I said earlier. Um, still playing Destiny two, playing through a Plague Tale Requiem as we showcased on our uh, regular streaming uh, features. Um, and that's been it. Uh, I, I did get a chance to try out uh, Gotham Knight uh, yesterday. Um, I was not impressed. <laughs> to say the least. Um Yeah, think, would you would you be so kind as to to kind of, you know, go into some detail cuz I know we we lightly talked about this during pre-show, but for those who might be joining in uh live or listening to us after the fact cuz uh you, you brought up some interesting interesting notes about that. Yeah, so um it just feels it doesn't feel like a a proper Batman. I know it's handled by the uh the Arkham Origins team. Um, but if I, if I, it, it feels soulless in a way. There's, there's a game that usually when you play a game, you, you feel some type of emotion when you play the game. And this is one game where I'm just like, I, I didn't feel any, I'm just like, yeah, this is not, I, the only thing I felt was like, I felt the, the fact that I wasn't playing something that was a good game. It's uh, locked at 30 frames per second because they had initially planned for like this old gen, current gen thing, and then they canceled the old gen versions of the game. Um, and they still couldn't quite get the handle of some of like next gen features, so they were like, "We gotta lock this at 30 frames per second so that we can have whole like co-op multiplayer feel." And when you play the game, you start to realize that it, it feels like there was some type of pivot during the development because a lot of the stuff that's in the game um, feels like it was going to go in this live service type direction, similar to like uh, Marvel's Avengers that Square Enix put out. Um, and somewhere in the development, they were like, let's not do this because they saw how poorly received Marvel's Avengers was. And they just decided to make it this offline experience, but still offer this uh, looter-style gameplay, because there is armor and stuff that you can find to equip and upgrade your character, so to speak. Um, and the fact that it has like drop-in, drop-out co-op kind of leads to that credence that it was originally intended to be this online experience, and they were like, let's not do that let's uh just make it like this thing that it should be um i don't know if that would have been better i really don't like just the fact that if it was like a if it was online only that probably would have like made it worse so i'm glad that like the co-op is kind of seamless you can just join your friend's game wherever they're at in the game like you know and do your own thing like (laughs) yeah you don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to like play together with you know, your friend that's online, you can jump into their game and it's like, cool, what mission are you on? You're over there? Awesome. I'm gonna go that way. Um I mean I do I do like the fact that they do offer drop in, drop out uh co op. That is that is kinda cool. Nice. So that, that way you don't have yeah. to like start a whole new campaign or anything. Oh god. Yeah. So <laughs> like I said, you know, doing this game production course, I'm suddenly thinking of things so differently. So as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm suddenly thinking to myself Oh God! All of the all of the programming that they had to schedule out for that. 
This <laughs> is like, okay, that we works. need to build this co-op so you can do it offline, but then we also have to build these network mechanics. Here's the process we've got to... Oh, God. <laughs> a lot of work, you know. Like A lot of people think it's easy, and it's not, you know. So I, I understand that the developers and the programmers that put... You know, they had their effort into the making get them that runs the way but the final product just doesn't feel like that effort was put in yeah which you know sometimes when you play a game you can tell like the labor that went into this was a labor of love and this game feels like it was just to get it done yeah and again this is another thing we've been you know going over in class essentially um one of the the big issues with game development because of the duration of time it takes uh you end up having you know these these long cycles where you go into the cycle of preparing this game you have an idea of what the gaming landscape looks like three years in you have avengers <laughs> not even avengers you know <laughs> At least it could have been Avengers. Dang it. <laughs> um, so then you have something like that, and suddenly all these mechanics you're preparing for that you've agonized over for literally years at this point because of how long it takes, especially at the AAA level, to develop something. Mm-hmm. Even a rush job still requires so much effort. And then you suddenly have to pivot. It's like, oh, crap. You know, We have all these, all, all these uh, mechanics and assets. What are we going to do? Uh, what can we salvage? <laughs> well, let's find out in two years. And then the game finally drops and you have a situation like this. So it is, it, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And it, it's probably frustrating too for the, the developers because they were probably, you know, going in with that passion of, all right, we're going to make our, ourselves a new Batman game. We're going to try something different. This is going to be great. A million delays and a pandemic later. Oh, let's just get this done. Yeah. <laughs> cry, cry. Yeah, it's like normally, like I say a lot, I say this on the show a lot, or I know I say it in the Discord, you know, I use the term like, oh, it feels like it was phoned in. And I think that's what happened. Like at some point, they were just like, can we just get it out? And yeah. like that effort, just the, the the labor of love, the actual effort of finishing this game lost that passion. And it just, it became less about the game and more about just getting the job done. And yeah. especially if, um, if your publisher, uh, and in this case, you know, that, that would be uh, WB Games, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, God only knows what kind of turmoil they've been dealing with on the gaming side, as we know with the rest of Warner <laughs> and the gestures in general direction, everything <laughs> that they've yeah. been dealing with, with as a company. Yeah, everything that's been happening with the WB Discovery merger, you know. It's- yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you have that as your backdrop, it's probably incredibly chaotic and they're probably getting all sorts of ridiculous mandates from, from the publishing side. So that probably does not make things any better. So it's, sure. it's unfortunate. That's the TLDR. Um, I will say though, on air, because I know we briefly talked about this in pre-show, um, one of the few reasons I am glad that this game is finally dropping, uh, the voice of Batman in the game, uh, Michael Antonakos, uh, I, I got to speak to him uh, as part of GalaxyCon last year, and uh, Michael was the male protagonist voice in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So 
Greek Batman. <laughs> He's been <laughs> this poor guy has been sitting around waiting for all the, through all these delays so that people can finally hear him canonically as as the Dark Knight. So I'm very happy for him because he was such he, he was such a cool dude, and I like I felt his pain of being in this panel with all these other Batman actors who have had their work you know out in the wild for years, and he was still waiting there. It's like it's coming out at some point. I promise. Not not his actual right. words, but you, that sentiment. So happy happy for him. So if nothing else, at least a Batman finally got to fly <laughs> through the yeah. dark the dark skies of Gotham. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the dark process that is games development (laughs) (sighs) yeah. (laughs) like i said you know i've been i've been seeing that whole thing from a different perspective that's when we're not even bringing into the discussion our pro wrestling themed visual novel kokoro no pro that we will be plugging again at the end of our podcast (laughs) so that's that is a whole other thing (laughs) but again all these it's it's a very different perspective once you've started to you know, see what kind of work normally goes into these projects from a perspective that most people don't tend to, because uh, a lot of people tend to see all the the development side stuff, which let's be real, that's the fun stuff. It's still very yeah. technical. It's still mm-hmm. a lot of work, but it's fun. <laughs> producing, producing like, uh, I, I was quipping, it's basically like gaming admin. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very different beast and it, it makes the whole process that much that much uh, different in terms of perception. And it makes you weirdly appreciate it more, especially when you see a successful game make it through this entire uh, slog, I guess you could say. So it's, 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 yeah, it's been wild. Yeah, I definitely can, like, the crazy. I was. But yeah, like, what I was saying is, like, you know, you can definitely tell when a game is made with, like, that love and appreciation of game design as opposed to just trying to get it out so you can make the shareholders happy or whatever the case may be in this one. Yep. Um, <laughs> Literally uh, the thing that we talked about this week <laughs> when going over risk assessment, <laughs> like the, the, the financial quarterlies, that is a thing you have to be prepared to deal with. And it sucks. Yep. It really sucks. It does big time. Um, outside of that, not much else uh, this week that uh, I've checked out. You know, I've just been really on on the, the the continuous games that are forever out. You know, Destiny 2, Overwatch, you know, Fall Guys. I still jump into the Fall Guys here and there. Um, naturally, Fall Guys is being pulled away from the regular streaming sessions that I do here on the Twitch uh, for different titles that's why i was showing off a plague tale requiem uh, until completion um and then the next one of course is going to be god of war ragnarok um and <laughs> counting down the days right <laughs> no that's like the understatement i'm like this is would it be safe to say that this is to you what elden ring was I, I guess to an extent to Gino. <laughs> I know for him it was more so just, you know, proof of existence. <laughs> he just wanted to know that it was real. But <laughs> yeah. Like, I know the game is real because Sony's doing a very good job of, like, putting out, like, a lot of, like, advertisement for it, uh, different behind-the-scenes things that they've shown. And I've been very weary as to, like, watch it because, like, I really don't want to get too spoiled with God of War Ragnarok. Mm. Um 
but at the same time, you know, I just I love hearing about the stories of how a game was made or went into the design. So it's like it's, it's kind of hard to like. Sometimes I'll see a video. It's like, oh, what's this about God of War? There's a show, anything, and like I'll, I'll wait to see if anyone's like complains about any spoilerish type things in the comments. And once I don't see that, I'll watch it, knowing that it's like, okay, it's stuff I've already seen. Cool. Yeah, you know, obviously I've seen like the the trailer they launched a while back, the new one, and that's all I've seen. <clears throat> and so far, a lot of the stuff that they've been putting out has kind of just reused those sequences and whatnot. So I've been very careful not to see anything that uh I don't want to see. Like I know that there's like um a couple of YouTubers got to play a portion of the game and it's like a 15 minute gameplay thing that they were allowed to show i have not watched that at all i'm just nope <laughs> nope 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 i'll just wait ken have you seen the the, the, the new gameplay video no but it's got a war i know i i, I want to do it on my own some games i have no i don't care like i'll watch it and i'll be like oh if it spoils something whatever this is one of those games i'm just like nah i don't want to i don't want to spoil it i don't i want to i want to turn it on and be surprised as I play. Um, and then you have something like, uh, what was the game that I don't know? Oh, for example, um, Square Enix just recently dropped a new trailer for Final Fantasy 16. And I feel like they're, they're just going to tell the whole story through the trailers at this point. Cause like, uh, every they're doing, trailer they're doing that thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, cause like, this one showed like the five different kingdoms. It's like, oh, there's more than one kingdom. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, they're all, they're all at war with like one another, or they all have some type of beef with one another. Oh, okay, yeah. And then there was like fights after fights after fights of all of like every one of them, and you're just like, that's a lot. That sounds like a lot of the game right there. Screen next, you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's weird because. Yeah, there there are definitely two ways that you can approach a trailer, which is you can play things close to the chest to increase the the intrigue, or you could go the exact opposite way and just be like, "This is what you're getting. <laughs> if you yeah. don't like it, don't play it, <laughs> and, and it or and don't watch but, it." You know, because movies do the exact same thing. It's like some of these trailers. It, again, it depends on. on movie. Yeah, it's like it depends on on the school of thought that you want to approach it from. And also it depends on the kind of story that you're telling. Like some, some movie trailers, they'll give you just like a couple of minutes from like the very beginning, because that's all they can show. Otherwise they're going to spoil the whole movie for you. Um, And then you get a case like amazing Spider-Man two, where they literally had the last shot of the movie in the trailers. (laughs) Oh, I still remember being so mad in the theater. That, when that's that last shot of Spider-Man swinging the manhole cover into Rhino's face came up, I'm like, oh, wow. So we're going to end with this. This is going to be a cool fight. And the credits started rolling. What the hell? <laughs> they literally spoiled the last scene of the movie in the trailer because it was a nothing scene. Ah! Yeah. And then there's like smart ways to do it because if you ever watch how Hideo Kojima does his trailers, he sp- splices them together where you're like, I don't know what's going on. And then you play the game mm-hmm. and then you watch the trailers again. And you're like, he literally told you the whole game <laughs> in the trailer, but you don't realize it at the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it also like, helps I, that 
you know, the the narrative nuance that he approaches his projects with, for better or for worse, I would argue for better because that's why he is an auteur genius. <laughs> like his, his his stuff is convoluted enough that without context, it is very easy to not piece together the puzzle until you've actually experienced it, and that is so difficult to pull off. <laughs> so it, difficult. It really is. Like I remember when the first real gameplay trailer for Death came out and it has the song by Apocalypse The Path and I'm watching the trailer to the song and I'm like you're seeing all the little bits and pieces of the trailer I'm like I have no idea what's going on in this trailer (laughs) but then me being the Hideo Kojima fan I am I'm like what is this song from so I look up the video for the song (laughs) and if you watch the video for the song it's literally the apocalyptica band playing their little cellos and or um it's a cello right the big i'm hoping i'm naming the instrument right um, i'm going to assume based on the size of the instrument uh that yeah it probably is a cello because i, yeah, I haven't seen this video so i have to giant assume. giant violin looking things yep, that, that cello yeah, cello. Cellos, right? yeah. <laughs> um so the, it's all of them playing cellos against their shadows and mm. if you think about Death Stranding, mm. that's when I was like, oh, so those ghosts are like probably like shadows or maybe that's the people that died. And I was like, oh, man, he's he's telling you the story <laughs> <laughs> without telling you the story. <laughs> so like when you watch that trailer and like if you do, if you're the type of fan to go, what is the song from? Um, you know, or as I like to do it, because every time he comes up with a trailer, I love to Batman trailers and like oh man he's talking about this and this means that da, 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 da. i go i go crazy into it and uh before we were decode I, I one of the infamous episodes and you know uh wally and gina will confirm this story for you every single time when the phantom pain was first shown at the game award i literally batman that entire trailer and i was like this is the next metal gear and so many people were like no way no way and i'm like yo i even i even went as far as to be like the company that was like it was a the it was a whale's tail and i'm like uh, you know and you know what the the logo was a whale's tail i was like you know another word for a whale's tail is fluke right so this is this is all a troll like this is not the game <laughs> um i went i went into it like i i went into it like, I, <laughs> um I went into it, man. I, I even down to the fact, like, oh, like they showed a whale at the end, and they're calling the guys calling him Ahab and Ishmael. And then I talked about Moby Dick, and they used to t- I went about the court case that inspired Moby Dick, and how that linked to like stuff that happened in Metal Gear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I went that deep, dude. <laughs> I was like, I bet this is the Metal Gear trailer. And then, like a couple of weeks later, it was confirmed that it was Metal Gear Solid Five. The campaign. And I was like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> the you, you you basically have like an internal Rosetta Stone for for all things Kojima. <laughs> oh, it is. I, even when he posts like random things on his Twitter or his Instagram, you know, you kind of gotta go, hmm, what's that about? Hmm. 
Yeah. Also, so, a, a quick mm-hmm. aside, because uh, when you were talking about video games and instrumentals, I, I feel like we definitely need to mention this probably before we go into our, our main, main topics of today. Um, I actually dropped this in the Discord uh, with you in mind, and yes. you did reply <laughs> to this. Uh, so a cool thing that Bandai Namco is going to be doing in December out here in Los Angeles, uh, they're going to be doing an Elden Ring concert. It's called Elden Ring, A Night in the Lands Between. Here's the wild thing about it. You're just like, oh, okay, so they're, what, going to do a concert of Elden Ring music? Yes. But as jazz. <laughs> like, but they're, they're going hard because the the musicians they're featuring for this, um, is a, a trumpeter by the name of Takuya Kuroda and a Grammy award-winning jazz artist by the name of Kenny Garrett. And they're doing uh, two shows on Saturday, December third, um, and it's it's not just going to be a live thing. They're also going to you know do a premium live stream. So if you're a big fan of Elden Ring, I mean that's pretty cool. <laughs> like the the fact Very that they're cool. not only doing this concert, which it still melts my mind to think about, because even with the limited amount of Elden Ring I have experienced personally, <laughs> that it, it's one of those things where it's like, wait, you're you're doing that as that. Huh? I I look forward to hearing this, but uh? <laughs> Elder Elden Ring is a fantastic game. Um, it's I'm sure it's gonna make some game of the year. You know, wins oh, definitely game of the year. For sure. like that, hands down, that, that that game is definitely one of the games uh, in the conversation when it comes here. Oh yeah, um, no, we 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 definitely figured it would be like, and I know you and uh, Gino talked about it last week. You know, some of yeah. the top contenders, and I wasn't surprised because Elden Ring, it it's had that vibe that a lot of our top contenders have had over the years, um, mm. and the fact that it has this staying power that they've been able to expand and do cool stuff like this. That's that's the stuff that I would look at personally when trying to figure out you know a game's impact not just as a physical piece uh well not not always physical these days but as as a piece of entertainment medium uh, media but also as a a cultural touchstone so uh, this this is one of those moments where it's like yeah no this is this is proof because you've seen uh in the anime sphere uh you know lots of interpretations of anime music um i know just the other night i was watching this this one group uh i believe they were the ones who did that um anniversary cover of tank from cowboy bebop uh for the cowboy bebop anniversary about uh what was it a year or two ago um <clears throat> so you know you're you're used to seeing that uh, in the anime sphere as well and that's another one of those things where it just goes to show how much of an impact this particular world has had on people right for sure speaking um, of impact uh, do we want to do we want to go into part of our our title for today because <laughs> we want to talk about impact as in like the deep impact variety as in like crash impact? and burn so hard it is apocalyptic <laughs> uh yeah let's get into uh the the big game news uh which was uh g4 shutting down after various sequences of layoffs uh, and talent departures uh, on top of that. G4 with the revival is once again no more. Um, like, I feel like we kind of saw this coming. Like, 
we didn't want to like admit it, but we were just like probably not gonna last that long. I feel like so that's what I thought when it when I was like, oh, it's cool that it's coming back, and like you know you got Xavier Woods and you bring it back, Adam and Kevin Pereira's coming on, and then you start hearing how they're gonna handle it. It's like yeah, we're gonna put it back on cable, and that was the first thing for me that I was just like, no, don't do. The second thing that they did for me was, you know, when I tried to uh, apply for certain positions over, I got told no, and I was like, eh, this isn't going to go well for you guys. <laughs> that might be a little personal take on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm literally sitting here just biting my tongue. I was going to I was gonna drop my takes <laughs> as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as you had a chance to, to get through it. But since we're on the topic, yeah, no, I, I too. Um, had an opportunity to interview for the new G4. Um, it was for a creative director position, which, to, to put it in very blunt terms, would have been one of the positions where I could have sat there and just pitched ideas for things that, quite frankly, probably would have had more staying power because of the, the way that they have, you know, they had to reposition their brand because of everything that you know you were just alluding to certainly we had quite a, a discussion in the discord <laughs> when when the news broke um and i do want to bring up a few points that were brought up there while we're live because i think they were excellent points one of which i didn't even process until it came up in the discord and i was like oh yeah that honestly would have been a great idea so comcast was the the company behind the revival of g4 Yep. And being Comcast and encompassing all things NBC, Universal, and then some, it stood to reason, uh, I think it was Jace who mentioned it uh, in the, the Discord, it could have been a specialty channel on the Peacock Network. And I'm like, yep. holy good God, Like, how, how did they not make that one of their primary means of delivery? Because as a standalone TV channel, as a Twitch channel, a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's going to get slaughtered by content that's already been existing on those platforms for years. But on something like Peacock, even if it's not like a reason for people to flock to the service uh, as a subscription, it still is a cool place for it to live. And I think it would have had better longevity if they programmed it as an OTT as opposed right. to a streaming or traditional cable network especially having something like Peacock in the mix. So I, I firmly agreed with that take because I'm like, yeah, if they, even if they pivoted towards that at some point, realizing, oh, this isn't going so well on all these other platforms, but we got Peacock. Yeah. I think it would be dope to have, you know, like G4 alongside WWE and, you know, all, all these other specialty, uh, specialty offerings that they have on that platform. Um, I know I certainly would enjoy that because <laughs> it's like, oh, cool! I can do do more than watch uh, old WWE shows and the occasional premium live event. <laughs> let me let me go watch uh, Adam Sessler, you know, review a game. Uh, or if they had brought back content like the stuff I mentioned, uh, certainly was what I loved about classic G4 icons, or as I put it, any biography for gaming nerds. <laughs> you know, bringing back stuff like that would have been really unique. And would have been great for essentially evergreen content on the Peacock platform. And that, I think, would have really made the investment more worth it and a way to keep the brand going far beyond the one year that it sputtered and died on Vinin. 
I, I think the other thing that uh, also hurt it was, you know, G4 existed at a time where the internet was still very young. We didn't. It came out at a time where we didn't have first. So, uh, I think. Uh, uh, say that again. Sorry, I think you cut out for a moment there. It, it came out at a time where we didn't have YouTube. YouTube wasn't a thing when G4 originally launched. Yeah. Um, so that's something to keep in mind when you look at a lot of the creators they brought back who had created their own following on other mediums, you know, whether being popular on Twitter, their own Twitch channels, their own YouTube shows, um, which you no know, Sessler at one point had, for example. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, how do you stay relevant when literally anyone can do what you guys were doing and i think that's the other thing that kind of hurt them like the names sure you know you, you have the nostalgia of like those of us who grew up with like the original g4 and x play like oh man adam's back that's cool kevin's back for a bit and then kevin left and, and then they brought on these other creators and their attitudes weren't necessarily the best uh, it's putting it politely yes <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to be nice oh no I, and I appreciate it because I, I, I even I'm just like oh yeah no that ooh, <laughs> ooh. there there were, um, there, were, there were mistakes made by certain people at, at inopportune yeah. times <laughs> and, and what's funny is like you know the, the, the individuals that have made those like statements you know they're being told by the community like yo like at least take some accountability for this and that individual's like nope <laughs> and i'm like you just don't care like you didn't yeah. care you didn't care when you were brought on you just saw it as a way to be a, a a mouthpiece for your own views and i think that's another thing like i know that we don't like to touch um politics being a thing in gaming you know um but the fact of the matter is if if you look at the gaming audience as a whole it is very representative of the country we live in you know there's mm -hmm. people on both sides of the spectrum you know in terms of standing points so to speak uh that will have different opinions and different uh, objective sites on certain topics and you, you have to be very careful to not alienate any part of that audience. Um, so it gets it gets very difficult when you have a lot of people who are obviously very progressive and left leaning, and will say certain things about conservatives or the right, and like you're putting off that audience, and then that audience leaves you're losing half your base so you have to be very careful you know when you approach those kind of topics uh, that's why we stay away from it because as mostly moderately progressive a lot of us here uh, on the d team are like, we just don't talk about it you know we understand that there's different voices out there uh we have our own personal beliefs but that does not dictate what we do when it comes to the sphere of gaming, you know, we play the video games to enjoy them. We're going to talk about the video games because we all enjoy video games. Um, so it's very hard to balance that. And I get, and I, and I get the difficulties behind stuff like that. Um, well, especially, you know, in, in 
uh, at the network level, essentially, yes. because that's <laughs> and that that's where this balancing act really does yeah, come come to be difficult. You know, if you're if you're essentially an indie, which is what we are, you mm-hmm. have a lot more free reign. You can you can make your decisions to to go in certain ways a lot easier because you understand basically all the points you brought up. But you at least you can at least you know make make the most of it. Right. <laughs> At the network level, it's like oh no, we you have to be as middle of the line as you possibly can, unless your brand is specifically geared one way or the other. Uh, and yeah. something like G four again, it's supposed to be that kind of happy medium that that you know let's all let's all get along, even if we don't agree with each other. We're just gonna hang out here and play some video games and talk about video games. Yeah, yeah, cool, yep. cool. Um, and I also want to go back to something you said about Gotham Knights because I think this was another issue with um, with the the rebranded or the resurrected G four uh, or should I say the zombie homunculus that is contemporary G four. Um, you brought up uh, how at points Gotham Knights felt you know very very soulless. Yes, I would apply a similar argument to here because it felt like. There, there was a good idea. They understood that there is a, a passionate appreciation for the brand, uh, even though the original, I guess you could say, audience of the brand has certainly aged up. Uh, they are in a different place in their lives. There is still a love for what G4 represented. Mm-hmm. But then you had the same, presumably network executives, because this definitely felt like a lot of this was made by traditional TV network executives and not people uh, with the finger on the pulse of OTT. (laughs) Suddenly being like, all right, we're just going to throw all this stuff out there. We're going to get all these people that they like on the YouTubes and we're just going to give them this. But this this is already here and this just kind of sucks it just has a little x play logo on it but it's g4 you kids love you g4 isn't that right um sir we are no longer kids we are grown adults with families now (laughs) and there again there was nothing really on offer it just felt like hey we're gonna take all this stuff that we know gets hits on youtube and twitch slap a g4 logo on it and hope that that'll be enough to carry this this project forward at no point did you see any of the expansion like I was talking about earlier with some of the other programming. And that's what I think made it feel very soulless. There was no innovation. That's why I was so pissed off that they they canceled my interview before they could interview me. Because <laughs> I'm like, you guys, this is so easy. Let me give you some layups here to give you content yeah. that would differentiate from all the other stuff on YouTube. And even if it has those parallels, because yes, there are plenty of independent creators doing documentaries in the style of icons and other things like that. But you can still add that extra flair because you have the G4 branding. You have the backing of a mega corporation like Comcast. You can elevate these things to a level that goes beyond that. And they never chose to. They just, they took the lazy way out quite frankly that's that's how i felt because they felt that they were safe with network television it's like people have moved beyond that like especially the audience that would have that would have appreciated g4 like they are all on ott because a lot of us are broke millennials (laughs) so we gotta juggle our subscriptions that's why again the peacock suggestion made all the sense in the world i'm like yes because people are probably already paying for that especially if you're there for xavier woods 
aka mm-hmm. Austin Creed, <laughs> you're you're probably watching WWE on Peacock. So yeah. you know, once you're done catching up on you know the the latest latest premium live event, you know, throw on the the most recent G4 thing that Xavier Woods is hosting. You know, it, it there's a synergy there, as opposed to a disconnect. Uh, I mean, uh, the big tell was like, you know, I think there was that G4 uh, so-called arena that they had on. I, I kept meaning to bring that up because that's another one that, yeah, technically it could be done independent of something like G4, but they could have made it something still as unique as it was when they first aired it. Because, yeah, we are way past, you know, doing the local land party, <laughs> but... Right with the kind of pull that they clearly could have it it could have been like a next level version of what they were presenting and stuff that you wouldn't get on your independent twitch streams or what have you cuz they could bring in you know the proverbial big guns the tr- you know the, the A-list talent to do yep. really cool stuff with that format never happened mm-hmm. never happened nope no I think that's why arena mostly like was a failure uh, it didn't help that like most of the staff quit like a week ago so <laughs> yeah before this announcement came out so that was like uh, another big hurt they uh um, yeah they got stadium Kevin Pereira <laughs> leaving after a couple of months was also like one of those telltale signs like <clears throat> it just wasn't like the best way to go about bringing back something like this Speaking I just I, I feel like say, oh sorry I feel like there definitely needed to be more people in the room who are more in touch with today's times as opposed to just these big executives who think they know what the people want. But they're not the ones that are like actually in the trenches playing the games. They're not us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's I, I think that's ultimately what might have been the problem. We'll, we'll find out more as time goes on and more people sure. ex, you know share their experiences. But I was going to say, when you, when you talk about you know, bringing things back and <laughs> finally listening to the people. <laughs> I think it's yeah. time we get into our main story because, oh, buddy, this sure oh. was a week uh, from from one of our and I use this the air quotes very liberal here uh, liberally here uh, favorite <laughs> companies to talk about. Well, yeah, so Co Money over here <laughs> <laughs> finally realized, hey, we like money. Yeah. See, this wasn't like, so hard, Konami. <laughs> this wasn't so hard. I, I, I think you know a lot of it. To a lot of it, probably stems from the fact that they weren't sure how to approach. I think I don't think they're sure how to approach bringing back a lot of their franchises, and it's just like the idea that they outsourced it to other studios. They mentioned that that's what they were gonna do. I was like, okay, let's see what studios they pick. And after ten years, we finally got to see what they've been doing. Um. So one of this, this was like a long rumor thing that uh, Bluebird team, creators behind uh, the Blair Witch game, the Medium, uh, a couple of other horror-based games, they're the ones working on the remake of Silent Hill 2, which is arguably one of the more fan-favorite games out of the Silent Hill series. Uh, some would say probably the best game in the series. Um, they're handling the remake, which has been met with some mixed reactions uh mostly because silent hill 2 is this really good game mm-hmm. and blooper team out of the games that i've mentioned i'm probably one of the few that actually like the medium 
But the rest of the games? Yeah, you mentioned Blair Witch, and I already kind of winced instinctually, because, yeah. I mean, bless them for trying, but oof. Yeah. Oof. Um, they've, they've basically been a very, like, mid to, like, mid-average to good team. They definitely understand horror. I, I would never take that away from them. Uh, if, if you ever get a chance to play the medium, which is currently free on, like, PlayStation Plus, it's probably on Game Pass at this point, too. Um, it's a really good psychological horror game. And, and it's, that's the one game I would say, yes, they have the chops to handle this. As long as they do not touch the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was even going to say, um, what, what makes this kind of a layup in theory, uh, Silent Hill 2, for all intents and purposes, is a masterpiece. It is, it is a true masterwork of gaming, especially for mm-hmm. horror. If all you're doing is just taking the story and adding a bunch of visual upgrades. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to be more complex than that, you know, as we saw from the yeah. Resident Evil remakes. But if you take the root of Resident Evil 2 remake <laughs> and not mm-hmm. the Resident Evil 3 remake, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a layup. So even yep. a studio that has had essentially middling success can still work with you know, turning this into, you know, probably the goat of that year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they have a very fair shot. And again, like you said, they know horror. And if there's no other qualification that you would really need to be able to be the studio to take on this, frankly, daunting task, that's the most critical requirement. That's the first thing that you should be able to do. And clearly, they know horror. So we're already off yeah. to a fairly good start, their previous track record aside. Exactly. Um, so Silent Hill 2 remake uh, is obviously also has to tie into the fact that the original director of the original Silent Hill film is coming back to do Silent Hill to the movie version of Silent Hill 2 called Return to Silent Hill. Um, so I think that's also another good sign that Konami has realized, hey, you know, we should probably take care of some of our franchises people really like. Also, a quick aside, uh, I actually pulled up Game Pass right now. Uh, the Medium is, in fact, available on uh, Xbox Series console and PC. So if you've got Game Pass, which I am always screaming about as the best investment you can make, <laughs> especially if you want to buy all those shiny retro games, there you go. <laughs> Another reason why uh, Game Pass is just a great investment, system agnostic. Please continue. <laughs> so we have the new movie... Uh probably being worked on alongside this game as well. Um, one of the ones that I'm really intrigued in is the uh, game that's coming from Annapurna Interactive, Silent Hill Townfall. Uh, it's developed by the uh, the studios No Code. They made game, they've made the game Stories Untold and Observation, which is a very good game, by the way. Um, very mysterious looking game you know it only it had the uh the, the little radio on the desk thing with scenes flashing on it was like a radio with a screen on it Ooh. and it had the scenes flashing on it um i've done my typical batmaning on these type of trailers because when they showed the producer he's like you know you may want to go watch that trailer again hmm. start picking apart what we might be doing one of the things of extreme interest, if you watch the Silent Hill Town Fortune, in that screen, during there's part, they flash certain sequences on the screen while, while it's going in, in and out of static, um, the hallway from PT shows up. Oh! So that was definitely very intriguing. 
I was like, wait, that's that's the hallway from PT. And you cannot oh. like every time this hallway shows up in memes, you recognize it, you know, that's the hallway from PT. <laughs> My God, are we are we finally gonna see Norman Reedus well. in Silent Hill? <laughs> I, I, I I'm sure they're doing something with it. What that is, I don't know. Um it's it's very they're very tight lipped with what this type of game is gonna be. Quick, um, quick! Who would be the uh, the the non-union equivalent of Norman Reedus if they can't get him uh, from from Kojima? <laughs> uh, that is a very good question. Post that in the Discord if you're listening to this now and you have some ideas. Let us know who would be your your off-brand Norman Reedus. Like my go-to, I, I don't I don't know the actor's name, but remember that actor that replaced Christopher Lambert in Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe they'll get that guy. <laughs> uh, James Rayner, I think his name is. Yeah, oh god, yeah, he, he's like a he's a martial arts stunt man who like he's done a lot of movies too. He's done a yeah, lot yeah. of like B movies and stuff like that. So this is guy, he's not doing anything right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's gonna be it's all gonna be mo capped so they can you know make him look younger. Anyway, sorry, continue because yeah. there before we wrap up, there is also one other project that they dropped, which. Besides, oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> one of them in particular, I think, is a perfect transition point into our weekly anime podcast. But let's go through that other one first. So the other game is Silent Hell Ascension, which is going to be this live, real-time, interactive series where players can watch together as the story plays out, and you can change the outcome uh, and be a part of scenes. So it has like this interactive. And based on the choices you make, they become canon. So there's no reset button, nothing. Uh, this is being handled by multiple uh, companies. J.J. Uh, Abrams' Bad Robot Games is being uh, a part of it. Dead by Daylight developer Behavior uh, and DJ2 Entertainment are all going to have their hand uh, in this Silent Hill Ascension. And then the last one that they ended the show off was a very brief teaser of of what I like to jokingly refer to as Silent Hills. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a new Silent Hill game called Silent Hill Elf, set in 1960s Japan, written by Japanese visual novel uh, specialist Ryukishi 07. Um, it's the Higurashi people, y'all! Higurashi in Silent Hill! I want Silent Hill Higurashi! Please shoot it into my veins! Yeah, uh, the teaser trailer for this looks very creepy. I mean, anything Japanese horror is always going to look creepy to me. Especially um, the Higurashi team, because oh god, yeah. they they know horror. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to be it's um, going to be psychological as hell too. So very good match for Silent Hill. And I think my final point that I want to make on this is like this is exactly what I wanted. I don't I didn't want just the continuation of like the Silent Hill franchise. I was like do different things within the universe. And I, I like that some of it may be questionable, like Silent Hill Ascension being an interactive series. You're kind of like, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but Townfall and F, that, that is definitely like the way they're being presented. Because if you look at Townfall, it's being made by the Observation team. So if you ever play Observation, it's like this exploration game, you're on a ship and you got to survive in the ship kind of thing. Um, you, know, you just place the ship with a town. Yeah, that's how hell. <laughs> Effectively, what what it sounds like you wanted was essentially a Silent Hill anthology in game form, and that's yes. exactly what it sounds like they're they're doing here, and that's cool, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think it's very nice that uh, Konami has sort of woken up and realized, you know, hey, let's start getting back to the other games. And they did say like, hey, you know, we've been very slow at it, and they did apologize like 
uh, it was like two years ago. They're like, we got stuff. Just give us time. Uh, and seeing the compilations come out of the older games, uh, seeing stuff like this, it's like, okay, okay. Uh, you have my attention. You have my curiosity, right? <laughs> you have my curiosity. You don't have my attention full scale yet, Konami. You're lucky I, I still dabble in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Forever and but, always. Uh, as, as a Silent Hill fan, I am actually... I one I was pleasantly surprised, and I I'm I'm definitely like looking forward to seeing what these games are. You know, I'm definitely going to pick up the remake. There's that's hands down without question. Silent Hill Two remake is bye. Like I'm just going to buy bye. <laughs> yeah. uh, very clearly, um, they've positioned that as the flagship of this uh, anthology project, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hope they extend the same care. I would love. To more castlevania we already have a netflix show like give me more castlevania thing uh maybe maybe bring back contra too while we're at it well they they tried (laughs) (laughs) i like that game i liked world core i thought it was interesting no it wasn't the best uh uh, i will admit that it wasn't like the greatest thing ever but it was cute it was different wasn't necessarily what i wanted from a contra game but you know i think they they understand the position they're in where they're like okay, let's start treating these with a little bit more care. And this obviously shows that they have some ideas to bring that care and love back into the franchises. That the fact that they're doing it with Phil uh, is a testament. The slow steps to regaining that trust and faith from gamers. Uh, not, not, they're not 100% there, but it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'll see you. Yeah. Give me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Definitely more effort than they've they've put in over the last couple of years. So it's For sure. it's very refreshing. I agree. All right. I think that's uh, going to do it for today's show. Uh, but stick around. We're going to have RJ and Joel playing through some more great Ace Attorney after we wrap up. Uh, again, thank you for joining us here. Uh, coming to you live from the Waypoint Cafe here at 65 Ludlow Street on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, New York. Uh, where I am here usually every Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and we bring you this podcast every seven. Be sure to check out our main website as well, digitalerentertainment.com, uh, for all our social media links, podcasts, written content, and more. Uh, some of that written content includes my review of A Plague Tale Requiem, which is up now for your reading pleasure while I stream it. You return into that stream this Sunday uh, as we continue the harrowing at uh, Amicia and Hugo Darum. And also want to quickly cut in with a programming note. Uh, Speaking of Ace Attorney and special things over the weekend, uh, this week is our monthly radio drama uh, starting at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Uh, We are returning to Ace Attorney. We are doing Ace Attorney Turnabout Spotlight, uh, one of the uh, Japanese stage shows uh, that was done for the Ace Attorney series. I actually watched the original stage play last night. Uh... As, as research for this weekend. It, it It is exactly what you would expect from a two-hour Ace Attorney story. It is wonderful. So if you're an Ace Attorney fan, uh, definitely tune in this Saturday. Anyway, please continue. Uh, where am I? Oh, I'm up to still shilling, right? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Forever and always. This is the most important part Forever of the show. <laughs> uh, if you would like to support us, we do have our merch over our stream elements, streamelements.com slash digital era Twitch. Check out our D hoodie, our D tank tops. Our D sweaters, our D code hoodies. We got our own merch from the podcast. You can also check out our our 
featured shirts for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming wrestling-themed visual novel uh, from our very own RJ Power. And you can check out that uh, teaser as well as our other videos over on our YouTube channel as well. Kokoro no Pro was also featured uh, as part of uh, IGN's Road Games Road Jam. We were an honorable mention uh, over on that uh, particular channel. So thank you, IGN. You know, pretty cool. Uh, you can also check out our sponsor, Image Anime. Uh, you can use our promo code discount ship over at imageanime.com uh, to save on free ground shipping on all orders over $100. If you are an anime fan or you know someone who is an anime fan, uh, you can have them use that code to save some money on shipping on all in-stock orders over at imageanime.com. Um, yeah, I think I hit everything. Cool. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, switch it over to RJ and Joel again with the Great Ace Attorney. Uh, thank you all for coming through and enjoying this episode of the Decode Podcast. And as always, until next time, you've been decoded. Decoded.